Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Genesis 34 and 35. So if you will find your place in your Bibles, we'll read together. Father God, thank you for this morning. And again, we come before you hungry for the manna which you so willingly and lovingly give out to all those who would come to you and ask. So Father, strengthen us, fill us, guide us in your word as we spend this time together. In Jesus' name, amen. Genesis 34. Now Dinah, the daughter of Leah, whom she had borne to Jacob, went out to visit the daughters of the land. When Shechem, the son of Hamor, the Hivite, the prince of the land, saw her, he took her and lay with her by force. He was deeply attracted to Dinah, the daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. So Shechem spoke to his father Hamor, saying, Get me this young girl for a wife. Now Jacob heard that he had defiled Dinah, his daughter, but his sons were with his livestock in the field. So Jacob kept silent until they came in. Then Hamar, the father of Shechem, went out to Jacob to speak with him. Now the sons of Jacob came in from the field when they heard it, and the men were grieved, and they were very angry because he had done a disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, for such a thing ought not to be done. But Hamor spoke with him, saying, The soul of my son Shechem longs for your daughter. Please give her to him in marriage. Intermarry with us, give your daughters to us, and take our daughters for yourselves. Thus you shall live with us, and the land shall be open before you. Live and trade and acquire property in the land. Shechem also said to her father and to her brothers, If I find favor in your sight, then I will give whatever you say to me. Verse 12. Ask me ever so much bridal payment and gift, and I will give according as you say to me, but give me the girl in marriage. But Jacob's sons answered Shechem and his father Hamor with deceit, because he had defiled Dinah, their sister. And he said to them, We cannot do this thing to give our sister to one who is uncircumcised, for that would be a disgrace to us. Only on this condition will we consent to you, if you will become like us, in that every man of you be circumcised. Then we will give our daughters to you, and we will take your daughters for ourselves, and we will live with you and become one people. But if you will not listen to us to be circumcised, then we will take our daughter and go. Now their words seemed reasonable to Hamor and Shechem, Hamor's son. The young man did not delay to do the thing because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. Now he was more respected than all the household of his father. So Hamor and his son Shechem came to the gate of the city and spoke to the men of the city, saying, These men are friendly with us, therefore let them live in the land and trade in it. For behold, the land is large enough 
for them, let us take their daughters in marriage and give our daughters to them. Only on this condition will the men consent to us to live with us, to become one people, that every male among us be circumcised as they are circumcised. Will not their livestock and their property and all their animals be ours? Only let us consent to them, and they will live with us. All who went out of the gate of the city listened to Hamor and to his sons at Shechem, and every male was circumcised, all who went out of the gate of the city. Now it came about in the third day when they were in pain that two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, each took his sword and came upon the city unawares and killed every male. They killed Hamor and his son Shechem by the edge of the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and went forth. Jacob's sons came upon the slain and looted the city because they had defiled their sister. They took their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and that which was in the city and that which was in the field. And they captured and looted all their wealth and all their little ones and their wives and all that was in the houses. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, you have brought trouble on me by making me odious among the inhabitants of the land, among the Canaanites and the Pizzerites. My men being few in number, they will gather together against me and attack me, and I will be destroyed, I and my household. But they said, Should he treat our sister as a harlot? Chapter 35. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel and live there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from your brother Esau. Jacob said to his household and to all who are with him, Put away the foreign gods which are among you, and purify yourselves, and change your garments. Let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress, and has been with me wherever I have gone. So they gave to Jacob all the foreign gods which they had, and the rings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them under the oak which was near Shechem. As they journeyed, there was a great terror upon the cities which were all around them, and they did not pursue the sons of Jacob. So Jacob came to Luz, that is Bethel, which is in the land of Canaan, he and all his people who were with him. He built an altar there and called the place El Bethel, because God had revealed himself to him when he fled from his brother. Now Deborah, Rebekah's nurse, died, and she was buried below Bethel under an oak. It was named Alan Bakuth, verse 9. And God appeared to Jacob again when he came from Padam Aram, and he blessed him. And God said to him, Your name is Jacob. You shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel shall be your name. Thus he called him Israel. God also said to him, I am God Almighty. Be faithful and multiply. A nation and a company of nations shall come from you, and kings shall come forth from you. The land which I gave to Abraham and Isaac I will give to you, and I will give the land to your descendants after you. Then God went up from him in a place where he had spoken with him. Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he had spoken with him, a pillar of stone, and he poured out a drink offering on it. He also poured oil on it. So Jacob named the place where God had spoken with him, 
Bethel. Then they journeyed from Bethel, and when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth, and she suffered severe labor. When she was in severe labor, the midwife said to her, Do not fear, for now you have another son. It came about as her soul was departing, for she died. She named him Ben-Oni, but his father called him Benjamin. So Rachel died and was buried on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. Jacob set up a pillar over her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave to this day. Then Israel journeyed and pitched his tent beyond the tower of Eder. It came about while Israel was dwelling in the land that Reuben went and lay with Bilhah, his father's concubine. And Israel heard of it. The sons of Israel now, there were 12 sons of Jacob. The sons of Leah, Reuben, Jacob's firstborn, then Simeon and Levi in Judah, and Issachar in Zebulun. The sons of Rachel, Joseph and Benjamin. The sons of Bilhah, Rachel's maid, Dan and Naphtali. The sons of Zilpha, Leah's maid, Gad and Asher. These are the sons of Jacob, who were born to him in Padam Aram. Jacob came to his father Isaac at Mamre, in Kiriath Arba, that is Hebron, where Abraham and Isaac had soldiered. Now the days of Isaac were 180 years. Isaac breathed his last and died and was gathered to his people, an old man of ripe age. And his sons Esau and Jacob buried him. Sad story, important lessons. They're coming in to Canaan. This is the promised land that God had given Abraham. And what was one of the things that God had told Jacob was not to take wives from among the Canaanites. So the reverse really was true. They were not to give their daughters to the Canaanites. They were to be a people set apart unto the Lord. And how interesting the first thing that happens as they go into the land, that his daughter is raped. Now, <laughs> apparently the guy who defiled her loved her, and we read the story, and because of our culture, it's so interesting, the days we live in, we think, hey, it's not fair, he loved her. They shouldn't have killed him. Of course, none of the people in the city should have been slaughtered. That was a sin of those two brothers, Levi and Simeon, and God will deal with them in the future. Jacob was at a quandary. He didn't know what to do, and so the sons think they have to take it in, in, you know, upon them. The issue was, and the Bible even says it was not a good thing, he took advantage of this young girl and tried to cover his tracks by marrying her, and we can see how serious it was in those days. In the Canaanite culture, as well as the Israelite culture, uh, sex before marriage was a capital offense be killed for it. The sons of Jacob knew that. So what's we tend to think, well, we should have just let him get married and everything would have been fine. But we we have to remember the Canaanite culture. We have to remember God's mandate. We have to remember what the pagan gods required or what they encouraged was total immorality. Gross immorality. And there, was any, there wasn't anything like fidelity. Or <laughs> yeah, there might have been, in one sense, they respected marriage, but they, they all had their 
concubines, they all had their, their harlots, they had all of these different things going on, and they celebrated temple prostitutes. That was normal. And so right away the enemy wants to defile and pollute the new nation that God is going to build up and not let it stay pure. The enemy is still trying to pollute the church and defile it so that it does not remain pure. And it is important that we make the stand and that we acknowledge that sex outside of marriage is very wrong. And it's sad we have to say that, but we have to say that to the modern generation because it is promoted and glorified on television, on music videos, in movies, every single day, all day long. So now our kids that grow up in the church, that hear the word of God, they have a double standard. They think, well, yeah, you know, the Bible says it's wrong, but I really, I don't think it's wrong because, you know, we love each other. And we have to make the stand biblically and say, this is a defilement and God wants more from you because it will defile. It will, it will damage you spiritually. And so it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing. Now, what should have Jacob done? Prayed. He should have built that altar right then and offered sacrifice and say, Lord God, I don't know what to do. My daughter has been defiled. I don't know how to deal with this. You told us not to intermingle with them. I cannot allow them to come in and marry with us. And show me, give me an answer. And maybe God would have given an answer. Maybe an angel of the Lord would have come and dealt with the kid. I don't know what would have happened. But he did nothing, and so his sons felt a obligation to go take care of it. Now, here's the, here is the um, hypocrisy of the whole thing. The sons go and do this supposed noble thing by wiping out the entire tribe, the whole city, whatever, of men because of their defilement of their sister because they're so holy. Yet what do all the men have hidden in their tents? Foreign gods. Foreign gods which glorified and celebrated immorality or required child sacrifice, something even more horrid than the immorality that they were dealing with. Don't know that they partook probably not in any of that, but they had household gods. So when they, <laughs> they have to leave Shechem because they're odious. You know, he knows, hey, we've destroyed this city. We better not stick around here. We got to leave and go to Bethel. Jacob, that's where he first met God, stairway to heaven, going over to Laban. And God's where he met God, really. And he came to understand him. So he says, we're going to this holy place where I met God. Get rid of your foreign gods. Jacob knew that they brought these foreign gods. Not Rachel, but he knew the rest of them had them. And he's saying, we've got to get our hearts right. <laughs> that is hypocrisy. You cannot point to an immorality in somebody else and say how wicked and how wrong. When you are breaking the first commandment, the very first thing you should not have, no other gods before me, as God says. So we can't be hypocritical in the church. We've got to be balanced. We've got to make sure that we're not in sin before we go pointing the finger at somebody else and trying to deal with their, their sin. January 26th, Charles Spurgeon. God routs fear. Surely there is no enchantment against Jacob, neither is there any divination against Israel. Numbers 23, 23. 
actually, how this should cut up root and branch are silly. Superstitious fears, even if there were any truth in witchcraft and omens, they could not affect the people of the Lord. Those whom God blessed, devils cannot curse. Ungodly men like Balaam may cullingly plot the overthrow of the Lord's Israel, but with all their secrecy and policy, they are doomed to fail. Their power is damp. The edge of their sword is blunted. They gather together, but as the Lord is not with them, they gather together in vain. We may sit still and let them weave their nets, but we shall not be taken in them. Though they call in the aid of Beelzebub and employ all his serpentine craft, it will avail them nothing. The spells will not work. The divination will deceive them. What a blessing this is, how it quiets the heart. God's Jacob's wrestles with God, but none shall wrestle with them and prevail. God's Israel have to prevail against them. We need not fear the fiend himself, nor any of those secret enemies. Those words are full of deceit and whose plans are deep and unfathomable. They cannot hurt those who trust in the living God. We defy the devil and all his legions. There was a, there's been a few interesting stories over the years here in Mexico because witchcraft is still practiced here. I, I know it's practiced everywhere, but in the, you know, the more rural areas. And at least on a couple occasions, I've had some believers, new believers, come to me very concerned. Had one man drive from a far distance, in fact, and came and said, I, I really need to talk to you. I said, what happened? He says, I, I, um, my neighbor put a curse on me, and uh, I don't know what to do. I, you know, I want to see if you can pray for me, if you can, you know, as the pastor, break the curse. And I said, brother, the curse got broken when you accepted the Lord, when you asked the Holy Spirit to come in you, because greater is he that's in you than he's in the world. And I said, the only, the only thing that the enemy has over you right now is fear. That is the only power that he's trying to wield over you. And I said, you are a new creature in Christ. And if you were involved in that witchcraft stuff before and you saw some of the reality of it, so be it. But I'm telling you right now, you have the holy and living God in you. And that curse cannot touch you. And he was so relieved. He was like, really? I said, yes. You don't have to do any magic potion. You do not have to come to me and ask for some special blessing like the priests can give out around here, which is kind of weird. You just need to make a stand that the holy and living God is in you, and you need to trust and trust him and stand against the devil. I said, that's what we're told to do, not not to try and find a solution to the curse, stand against him. And so he was relieved, and uh, we went away. <laughs> and I think everything turned out fine. Never came back and said, oh, you know, my life fell apart. He was was quite fine. He lived way out of town. He had used to come to church, and I hadn't seen him in a long time. He didn't come because of how far he left. He lived, and so that's why he came in town. So I never really heard the... Uh, the result of that, but the fact that he didn't come back <laughs> was a good sign. 
So we need to remember that. And that was good what Charles Bergen says. The enemy cannot touch us. They have power. Yes, they do. And they can affect some of the things that go on around us. But we have a wonderful protection. We have a wonderful power that resides within us that makes us stand against those things. And some of you, like myself, have seen some pretty weird things growing up. Demonic things. There is power there. And I saw it growing up when I was not a believer. But I know God's, I feel a total sense of peace and a, a total sense of just fullness being with God, knowing that when these evil things come against us, we can trust in him. So let's thank him for that and pray for his empowerment against these evil days. Father God, thank you for my brothers and sisters that are now listening, and we thank you, God, for the wonderful things you are doing in this day, and these days are evil. There is a, a great sense, God, that the power of the enemy is growing, that his reach is extending and now is becoming global as we know it will happen when the Antichrist comes. And there's an, ex and there's an effort to try and destroy the church and destroy anything that is good and call it anything that's good evil, anything evil good. So, Father, we do ask that you fortify us in our spirits, make us strong to make that stand, put on the armor, and let you go and fight the battle for us. So, God, please, this day, renew our, our, our strong faith in you because the enemy will try and deceive and try and bring in fear. Let us be filled and edified and blessed and loved in your word and just sense your presence so we don't have to walk in fear. And thank you for that blessing. Thank you for the reminder. And God, as we look into the scriptures, we understand how the enemy was always kind trying to trip up Israel with immorality. We realize he's still trying to do with the church. Father, help us to be men and women that maintain our vessels and that we maintain our purity, that we, as married people, remain faithful to our spouses. As single people, we remain faithful to you. And we wait, Father, for whatever you want to do in our lives. And I ask a special blessing upon those that are single, and especially the young that are in this culture that is trying continually to break them down and commit immorality. Father, you make men and women of great, great faith and strength to stand up as Joseph did, as Daniel did, as so many of these biblical characters that were able to trust you and make a stand, and you bless them. So God, do that again. Thank you so much for the people you're healing. Realize there's a number of people that are, that are this morning, this day, needing your touch for healing. Those that are dealing with the cancer and the treatments and the medication today, Father. Encourage their spirits. As I know every day, they have to evaluate their progress, and it's easy to get discouraged. But give them a good day, Father. Reduce the pain, keep, just keep the pain away. And, and Father, bring in brothers and sisters, encourage, encouragers that have gone through this to walk with them, God, to hold their arms up. And for those as well that are dealing with surgeries, that are dealing with 
internal organ issues and kidneys and kidney stones, those kind of things, God. Please, Father, touch their bodies and strengthen them. Different people that have, have constantly deal with every breath being a struggle. May you just increase the strength of their, their lungs and bless them, God, and heal them. Thank you for what you're doing in Israel. We ask you to bless and keep them. We realize we're on the edge, Father, again of war, especially with Ukraine and Russia and, and, and China looking for an opportunity to come get Taiwan. We, you've kept the war at bay, and we thank you. But it, it is getting, again, ugly. So please, Father, we ask you to keep the lid on it. Do not allow these wars to explode because the, the result could be devastating for the entire world. Give wisdom, Father, and guidance to our military leaders and the political leaders. Thank you, Father, again for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. And encourage your friends, if you can, to subscribe to the podcast where we are going through every day, every chapter, going through the Bible in a year. So anybody can start at any time and listen to the previous one starting on January 1st and catch up or just keep it at their own pace. But uh, please subscribe and check it out. We are now in Stitcher, on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, as well as Spotify. So God bless you guys. See you there. Bye-bye.